Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Brandon Bishop. Brandon actually landed our guest for today's show, uh, Rob from McDojo Life. Great episode today. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. I'm joined in studio today by Brandon Bishop. Brandon, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited for this one. Me too. We are also joined over, courtesy of the Louisville Combat Academy Roadcaster Line, by our man, Rob from McDojo Life. Rob, how are you today? I'm living the dream, brother. I'm living the dream. I woke up and I was like, hey, this is my life. This is cool. And so I, I tried to make sure I have that feeling every day. Now, prior to us hitting the record button just a moment ago, Brandon said to you how much he appreciated you being accessible, uh, that you were willing to come on the podcast. And I said, damn, we need to include that re- that answer uh, because I, I think it's a, a, a good way to be, certainly very humble. Uh, but what was your response? Oh, when uh, uh, basically I just said that, you know, I always said I gave myself rules before I ever started what I do. And uh, I always said I'd answer every direct message I ever got. I would uh, go on any show that I was ever asked to go on and I'd make myself as accessible as humanly possible. Well, that's awesome, man. I really appreciate it because I know I've been looking forward to this interview since we scheduled it. Um, I've followed your content for quite a while now, and I've been a big fan of not only your content and your channel, but of you as a person. Um, I was just telling Kelly before we started, I can't really think of any instances off the top of my head where I've disagreed with you about. Oh, well, I'm sure. (laughs) Give me time. (laughs) Give me time. I'm sure there are plenty. Um, Sorry, I just noticed that the, uh, the light from outside like my room is i have no light on so i'm gonna turn on the light real sure. fast yeah no, no problem at all there we go 
I was like, man, it's getting dark in here. And then I just realized, oh, yeah, it's because I'm in a dark room. Genius. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I just I'm sure there are plenty of things we could disagree with. I think the one thing that I've always tried to make sure that I stand up for is the ability to disagree. I think that open dialogue and communication is extremely important for not only personal growth, but also community growth, organizational growth, systems growth, like martial arts and things like that. You have to be able to have healthy dialogue with other human beings who don't think the way you do, that don't agree with you. That healthy dialogue is how you grow as human beings. There's way too many people, especially in the martial arts industry, who allow their ego to overtake their common sense. Like, how do I grow? Well, how did I grow when I started martial arts? Well, I got my ass whooped a lot, which meant I was wrong. I was wrong about all these theories I had about how to defend myself. So how did I have to figure out how to defend myself? Get proven wrong. And not only get proven wrong, but be willing to be proven wrong over and over and over again. So that way, eventually, you could figure out how to be right. And that's important in communication and dialogue as well. You got you to gotta lose. You got to take some L's. You got to be wrong. And that's okay. I, I think anyway. Well, damn, once again, we agree. <laughs> Rob, you have, of course, your Instagram page, which has, I believe, 475,000 followers. So, obviously, that's been very successful. What is your prized, is it your YouTube subscribers? What is the uh, your, your number one outlet for sharing your content? So, if we're pretending someone's listening and doesn't know who Rob from McDojo Life is, uh, what is McDojo Life and what's your primary outlet? Well, uh, the mission statement of what I do is I call out fakes, frauds, phonies, con men, and pedophiles in the martial arts industry with the with the goal of keeping martial arts legit or legitimate. Um, just legit makes me sound like 20 years younger, so I use that instead. Um, so I get the young audience who doesn't know that I'm 37. <laughs> um, but the I would say that each particular social media has its own way of communicating the best. I don't think that there's any one that's better than the other. They just are used differently. Like for instance, our Instagram is used for short form media. So like you get like pictures or you get one minute video clips and things like that, uh, where our TikTok is almost identical to that. Whereas when you look at YouTube, uh, YouTube is long form content. So I can take that one minute clip and I can do a full expose on the who, what, why, where those people really are um, and really dig into the meat and potatoes of those particular martial arts cults or frauds, or phonies, or liars, or pedophiles, or whatever the case may be at that particular moment. Um, and then Twitter, of course, because I suck at Twitter, is typically for like short form thoughts. Like, I went to the gas station today. Oh my God, the prices are killing me. And then you get like a thousand fucking likes for some something like that. Sorry, if I, I apologize for the cussing. You can say uh, whatever, uh, profanity, it's encouraged. Okay, cool. Because it just comes out. It's you know, it comes out of me. I got to work on that self control. But you know, but when it comes to it, each one has its own thing, and each one has its own problems as well. I don't think that there's one, in my opinion, that's above the other. It's just a learning tool. Like, okay, well, how can I make this one grow more because this one's not as big? And you know, it's just fun for me. It's like a trying to figure out each particular platform and how to make each one grow. Um, is it's fun. I don't know. <laughs> you referenced um, at the beginning of your martial arts journey, I think you were talking about yourself, um, you know, that there's times maybe you got uh, beat up or something like that. Um, backgrounds for martial arts, I'm 38 years old. I started training as a hobbyist, jujitsu and a little bit of boxing at age 32. So I'm six years into my journey, um, but I'm very much so a hobbyist. Brandon here uh, is a lifelong martial artist, had a successful amateur career, then a, 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 a 
over 500 professional MMA career, right, Brandon? Yeah. Okay. So Brandon is more of the, you know, legitimate martial artist in the room. Uh, his summary is he's been in it his entire life and he teaches it and, you know, it's his everything. But what, what, what is your background within the world of martial arts, Rob? All right. It's my favorite question. I usually try to answer it as quickly as humanly possible, but now I'm not on a live so I can take my time. So That's right. I started when I was 12 years old. So I've been in the martial arts industry for over 25 years of my life. I'm a third degree black belt in American freestyle karate, which is very similar to like a Joe Lewis, Benny the Jetter kid as Bill Wallace type karate. Uh, we didn't really do any katas whatsoever. It was more geared towards kickboxing. Um, I'm a third degree black belt in something called Lissa Jodo, which is a weapon system absolutely no one has really heard of. It basically just means that I'm very skilled at one of the most useless weapons ever, which is nunchucks. Um, nobody sits by the guy on the bus who's got like nunchucks in his back pocket. That guy's weird. Um, I am a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I am a 6-0 amateur boxer, a 4-2 amateur kickboxer. I was on an international kickboxing team for two years called Team Full Circle, where we traveled internationally, did sport martial arts tournaments and kickboxing tournaments. Um, let's see here. I owned a martial arts studio for four years of my life. I've been doing McDojo life and martial arts business consulting now for about a decade of my life. That's a hell of a resume, man. Yeah, it just means I've been punched a lot. That's all that really means. <laughs> I've been beaten for money. That's, that's yeah. all that resume says. Yeah. So um, one of one of the biggest questions and first questions that I had in my mind is what like what brought you to like the McDojo Life format where you were calling these guys out, you were doing news stories and things like that. Like what what transferred you from just doing martial arts to actually getting involved and becoming kind of an activist? Well. You know, if you're in the martial arts industry long enough, and I always like to say martial arts industry because I think it's important that we start clumping in martial arts together. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody in the martial arts industry loves to separate martial arts. And what happens when you do that is we wind up eating each other alive and martial arts as a whole is not allowed to grow because one martial art is always eating at all the others and all the others are always eating at the others. And it's very vindictive and it's very dirty and it's very gross and it's the opposite of what you see on television with honor and integrity and respect. Most of the time, that is complete horseshit. <laughs> Most of the time, every martial art only gives a fuck about their martial art. And even in their organizations, they only care about their organizations within the art. Like that organization sucks. Like, okay, yeah, we're never gonna grow as human beings or as adults if we keep doing that to each other. That's fucking ridiculous, it's childish, and I hate it. So that's why I always say martial arts industry, because we need to start coming together. Right. Um, but with that said, um, when it comes down to starting McDojo Life, I had already been doing martial arts for a very long time. I was a program director, a striking coach, and I was headed uh, coach for the kids program at a jiu-jitsu academy I was at. And so while I was there, before I did this full time, <laughs> still trained there, uh, but while I was there, um, I was uh, running the front desk, making phone calls, answering emails, all that good stuff. My boss calls me and he goes, hey, man, I'm not going to be able to make it in today. Would you do me a favor and teach the class for me? Yeah, of course, not a problem. The dude never calls in sick. He's a machine. So I know he was sick. So I went ahead and taught the class, did like an arm bar um, from guard, you know, did arm bar, arm bar uh, to triangle transition. And then after that, we just did some smart. And then it's a noon class. And so noon classes are like hodgepodges of a mixture of guys who have to go back to work immediately <laughs> and like guys who have no jobs whatsoever. Yep. And so like you're just like chit chatting usually at the end of those classes and you don't have another class forever so you can stay and talk. And we got on the subject of McDojo's and then everyone left. Well, there was a guy there who it was only his second official class. So he had like taken the trial class and this was his first class as a member. 
um, of martial arts ever. Um, and then he stayed behind while everybody left. And he goes, hey, man, I'm a little embarrassed. Could you tell me what a McDojo is? And I was like, yeah. I kind of explained to him what has become the basis of the five rules of the page. And he goes, ask one question. Changed my damn life. He goes, how come no one does anything about that? And I go, I don't know. Like, I have no answer for you. There is no regulating body to the martial arts industry. There are no standards whatsoever for starting a martial art. There are no standards for what is a black belt universally across the board. There is no standard of curriculum. There is no standard of anything. Right. Quite literally, the wild, wild west of jobs. Anybody can open up a martial arts studio. Anybody. I could literally start with no experience whatsoever if I'm just charismatic and a good enough con man and liar. And I've watched enough Kung Fu movies and I practiced in my home by myself enough. I could open up Rob's Rob So Do martial arts uh, studio and all you can eat Chinese food emporium. <laughs> you know, you come for the front kicks, you stay for the all you can eat egg roll buffet. And people would be like, dude, I love egg rolls and karate. And they would just join if I'm charismatic enough. I would definitely. So, oh, yeah, I'm in. Oh, dude, I love egg rolls. But, you know, when it comes down to it, um, because there is no regulating body, that that question gnawed the shit out of me. I could not sleep. I was like, dude, this is what I've dedicated my life to. This is my lifelong passion and pursuit. Why doesn't anybody do anything about that? So I started researching the next day and I even started McDojo like the next day. And I realized that the only thing that was really around was just forums. And then those forums, I started noticing the same petty, semantical, subjective arguments that did nothing to enhance the industry nothing got no one on the same page it was just people complaining and bitching and moaning about stupid things that don't matter and people will still have these arguments today because they don't realize they don't matter they're glossing over the important things like the record number of pedophiles that are in the martial arts industry it's that's insane. not something that pops up yeah that's you know insane. people just don't talk about that they're so busy worried about how long it takes for somebody to get a black belt they forget the record number of pedophiles don't you think one should outweigh the other <laughs> i think so like we're ignoring one over that or how much something costs. Well, that's subjective. Just because you can't afford a Lamborghini and it's too expensive for you doesn't mean that there aren't people who buy them. Obviously, they do because they're still in business. So cost is subjective. What's not subjective is you shouldn't lie to your students. You shouldn't rape your students. You shouldn't, Literally. I don't know, uh, you shouldn't injure them on purpose. You should create an environment that is conducive to helping them reach their goals, not your goals. And so all of these things I noticed that people would argue over. So really the ultimate goal of what I'm doing is to try to get all of us and every art on the same page about what we should give a shit about, like what we should stand up for, because it shouldn't matter what art you do. I think we can all agree whether you do a keto to jujitsu to sambo, you shouldn't rape kids. I think we can all agree on that. You know, you shouldn't rip off your clients. I think we can all agree on that. And so it becomes a little bit more about trying to focus everyone's energy into the same direction so we can grow this industry instead of keep eating each other alive, which I think is probably the opposite of what most people think I do. <laughs> well, you do eat some people alive, and I agree with that, but I think it's people who deserve to be eaten alive. Uh, when you follow, you know, when you follow McDojo Life, you see some of the content that Rob posts, and some of these people are real pieces of shit, man. Real pieces <laughs> of shit. Uh, I can name them off the top of my head, almost every one of them. Yeah, you know, uh, that's another question I had for you was um, over the amount of time that you've procured so much information and so many stories. What are the ones that stick out in your mind the most? 
Well, obviously the one that I most recently did stands out. I'll get to that in a second because I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, But, uh, you know, certain ones, I think the ones that stand out the most to me are usually the ones where people don't, wouldn't consider that a McDojo from the outside. Like, for instance, there's a guy named Edon Abelnick. Edon Abelnick runs a thing called the Kala system, which is basically just Krav Maga because that's all he learned was Krav Maga. So he opened up his own style and he goes, we're better than Krav Maga. Like, bitch, no, you're not. You're the same shit. Like, (laughs) same thing. But anyway, I digress. So when it comes down to like that dude, he shot a student doing gun disarms with live ammunition. Oh, no. Like, like. Okay, like this is realistic training. Yeah, because half your students get fucking shot. But uh, he winds up doing that, right? So obviously, that's a big no-no. He admits to doing this. He set up multiple seminars around the world, three I can confirm for sure, where he just didn't show up. And people requested online publicly, hey, can we get refunds since you didn't show up? And he says no. Well, that constitutes as fraud, and not only fraud, but international fraud, since a lot of these times weren't in the same country as him. He was doing those gun disarms with live ammunition on a gun range in South Africa. Well, if you've ever been to any gun range whatsoever, you usually know that doing stupid shit like that's a big no-no. And in South Africa, it's illegal, completely illegal. And so, and then he admits to doing all of this. And then he has this thing where he'll like, go toe to toe with people online. So people are like, all right, well, let's just meet up. That's the old school way, right? All these fucking keyboard warriors. Let's just meet up, bro. We'll just fight it out. So people did. They set up matches where they knew he would be. They were like, oh, you're going to be here? I live there. Let's set it up. And he just never showed up. So he talked all this shit online, like, I'll beat your head. Then he sets it up and then he never shows up. Like, okay, well, clearly you're not about that life either. Then he lies about his resume, gets caught about lying about his resume. And his response was, well, I didn't make the website. Well, no shit. <laughs> Where do you think they got the information? You think they just dug in and were just like, you know what? It would sound good if you were this thing. No. <laughs> Any web developer ever just goes, what do you want us to put here? And you tell them what you want. So this guy's a complete 100% fraud, a dangerous fraud at that. And people still, even with him admitting all of that information being 100% true, which is why he can't sue me, but all that information being 100% true, he admits it. His students still love that dude to death. Oh, man, yeah. he, he, that's not, he never did that. Like, he admitted it. How, how the fuck did you? He says it. It's yeah. right there. His words. That's, like, the craziest I'm, I'm part. that's the craziest part to me is that he is very matter of fact about it when he is admitting this stuff. He doesn't, he, he's like, yeah, I shot a student. And it's like, but. Yeah, I shot him. You know, it happens. Yeah, no, it motherfucker doesn't. I'm Dick him, you know, just, we were duck hunting, pow, right in the face. <laughs> Where is he located? Uh, I do believe he's South Africa. Okay, okay. Um, so he was originally from Israel, I do believe, off the top of my head, and then he moved over to uh, South Africa. Um, but yeah, he said he was in like a Kalani Special Forces, and like all the guys from the Special Forces unit were like, "No, he wasn't." Like y'all, like I don't. What dumbfounds me is people think that by now you would realize that I'm a pretty good journalist. That when you say some stupid shit, that I'm going to go fact check it and make sure that it's correct or incorrect. And then when they just spew it out, like assuming I don't know what I'm talking about, like. If I ever, here's the thing, for anybody out there who's a fraud, if I ever ask you a question, assume I already know the answer. I'm just waiting for you to lie to me. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, and, and so um, we, I just want to bring this up because I know we were eventually going to get here. Oh, but, my God. Um, the, the Well, not yet. Okay, okay, okay not okay, that, okay, not okay. that. But we, I was going to talk to you about the, the defamation deal mm. that, uh, oh, creepy, is it Creepy Carl? Is that who we were? Creepy Carl. I, I personally have never used that term about Carl, but a lot of people have used that term. 
I'll um, say it's yeah, fitting. I, fuck it, I'll say it. I don't care. Um, yeah, so I got a letter from Carl Massaro. Uh, it was not only representing himself, but representing his school that he owns and the Henzo Gracie organization. Um, so those lawyers are clearly taking care of not only him, but his school and his the organization as a whole. And I can't tell you legally what was in that letter because of the way that they um, the way that they put it together in the letter uh, in the email basically alluded to me not being able to speak about it. So I'm not exactly sure if I can or can't say verbatim, but it used like fun words in here like defamatory. What else do we have? It uh, intended to mislead. Um, I'm not intending to mislead. I'm saying that this motherfucker was a stalker and harassed her. Like I'm not. I'm not guessing. I have a police report. Well, I was going to say, it's uh, not even you re- saying this. It's it's you repeating information from a yeah, police Yeah, and like report. at this time, when I received the letter at this time, yes, it was just, all I did was repost a video. And then uh, what else? There's also fun words in here like insinuating, uninformed, and accurate. And then the second page isn't even about me. Um but it's really funny. By the way, that's not the letter I actually wiped my ass. <laughs> I was going to ask that. <laughs> there's, there's several. I had a lot of mistakes. So, like, I was showing it, and then I was like, oh, fuck, I already – anyway. There, trust me, there was me clumping up the paper and tossing it. Yeah, when you edit, it okay. takes a while. Uh, but anyway, so – but that guy, it's funny because in his, in his statement that he sent me, he sent me a statement because of an incident where a lady named Maggie Holmes – had gone on a podcast called the Rear Naked Chicks podcast, mm-hmm. and she talked about their relationship in great detail. And then in that relationship, she talks about harassment and stalking. Um, she talks about him setting up multiple phone numbers using an app in order to continue to call contact to contact her, mm-hmm. even though she requested not to be contacted anymore. Hence harassment. And so when I got that information, I saw those screenshots. I knew that much was true, at least based off of that video they did. Cause you can clearly see that that's what had happened. It's not a guess, right? So, okay, I'll repost that, but I want to know more. So I reached out to them before I reposted it. And I said, Hey, if you got some evidence, send it to me. I'm going to need to see it and I can help you out. They only, not only sent me evidence, they sent me an entire Google drive of screenshots, text messages, police reports. I mean, stacks of stuff. And so I was like, okay, well, let's dig into this more. Repost. I like, I have proof. Let's get it. Let's see what you do with this, right? And so then uh, I get, I reached out to Carl as well. I'm fair. I wanted to see what his side of the story was. And he was nothing but cordial in the text messages or the DMs. Um, and then he said, hey, I asked him for a statement. Would you be willing to give a statement? And he said, yes. And he wound up sending me a four-page statement that I covered in a two-hour video. I also asked him if he'd be willing to do an interview. When I asked for the interview, that was after he sent me a, a letter from his lawyers. So the timeline goes, I post all this stuff up. I ask him for a statement. He sends me a statement. Two weeks later, by the way, because I'd been traveling at this time, I get a letter from his lawyers that's basically a cease and desist letter trying to scare me from not doing this story. I'm like, well, bitch, which is it? Like, you're going to give me a statement that I can use to give a story? Or you do want, not want me to do the story? This genius never once in any of that ever said to me, hey, man, I no longer want to use that statement. Had he done that, guess what I couldn't have used? The statement. But this guy is a fucking moron, and he decided to leave that out of this important lawyer letter. Like, he was more concerned with trying to sue me over defamation, which, by the way, I would rip your ass up in court. Please take it to court. Like, you will just be buying me a new house and a new car. I can't wait. I I have a great suit. Please, by all means. My lawyer is a fucking shark. So anyway, with that said, I'm excited. I hope we go. Uh, I'll take selfies. 
uh, you know, I'll make sure I, I post them live. <laughs> but anyway, with that said, um, he, he went on to in a statement to say that he never stalked Maggie Holmes, never stalked Maggie. Then, not knowing I already have this police report, which is clearly readily available through the Freedom of Information Act, you guys can go get it too. As a matter of fact, you can not only get that, but a previous police report that he chooses so handily to forget that exists. Not only that, but also the court the court case that he had before that as well. Um, but with that said, um, I, I end up already having this police report. So he sends me just a stack of lies. And so I was like, all right, well, you want to do an interview? Like, again, I already have the answers. Right. Um, and then uh, I interview Maggie and I'm not calling her a saint. I don't fucking know her. I don't like, I'm not on her side. I told her, I told the Rear Naked Chicks podcast and Carl all the same thing. I'm not on anyone's side, but the truth. If she looks like a piece of shit, how does that hurt me? If he looks like a piece of shit, how does that affect me? Not at all. I'm covering a news story. Don't care. But they were so forthcoming with so much evidence. It was overwhelming how many lies this dude told. And so after that, I, uh, I did the story. And it's a two-hour story up on our YouTube channel now. And it's been pretty much radio silent since then. But in the police report, it clearly labels Carl's behavior. The police officer who went to the case or who was assigned to the case, who showed up, who did the police report, clearly labels his behavior as stalking and harassment. Um, so yes, you did stalk and harass her. And then in that police report, it also says that he admits to using an app to change his phone numbers in order to continue to contact her. And that police report, it also says, because he likes to twist and bend the truth, he said that once he was contacted by the police, he never tried to contact Maggie again. What he likes to fucking forget is that when he was originally contacted by the police, the police said, hey, we want you to come into the station so we can talk to you. He didn't go straight to the station. It wasn't like, oh, I can't do this anymore. He immediately went to her house. He had to get kicked off the property. There's a second police report for that. Like, he, again, it's like so funny. And what kills me is now all these black belts who know what's going on, I know they know because I have text messages of their conversations where they admit that Carl manipulates the truth. Those are words directly from a text message that um, that people didn't like his behavior. Like all the stuff is on these text messages that I just chose not to put out there because of those particular people just did not want to come forward. That's OK. I have plenty of evidence without them. Right. But then they those motherfuckers turn around. And when it's time to stand up and be a grown ass man and say, you know what? I did know about this. We shouldn't allow this type of behavior in our organization. They defend it. Not only that, I just had a conversation with the Rear Naked Chicks podcast. Get how fucked up this is. So one of the guys who owns another martial arts studio under that organization, his name's Dave something. I don't remember his last name off the top of my head, but he owns one of the other uh, Henzo Gracie affiliates. Two of the girls, like, technically it was all three, but two of the girls from the Rear Naked Chicks podcast were given an ultimatum after my story came out. Hey, you can no longer be a part of that, uh, a part of that particular podcast if you continue to train here or you need to leave here. Wow. They chose to stay at the organization rather than standing up for what's right. How fucked up is that? Like, yes, women's empowerment. Let's stand up for what's, oh, oh, wait, I'll be inconvenienced by having to drive to another martial arts studio for a hobby. Oh, well, fuck women's empowerment. Let's just bend over and just go ahead and cow down. Like what pieces of shit? Like, if you're going to stand up, fucking stand up. Yeah, it's going to be inconvenient. Yeah, it's not going to be fun. You know how many fucking death threats I get a week? Man, they're, they're joys to me now. I'm like, if I'm not getting death threats, I'm concerned. I'm not doing my job right now. You know, like a lawyer letter. Whoo, that's better than someone threatening to shoot me. You know, so like at the end of the day, like, 
it just amazes me how many people are well aware of this man's behavior. Like he's got a track record of this shit. Like this isn't the, like he's got, he had a temporary order of protection that was against him from, you know, his ex-wife that he does not deny, by the way. Like, he's like, I never, I'm always respectful. Like, what about the previous incident you had, motherfucker? Like, didn't you have some incident before? Like, you're not telling people? Like, get the fuck out of here. What a turd of a human being. And then I told him when I first started this, man, be upfront with me. Like, let's go. I'll, I'm only on the side of the truth. And I guess he didn't believe that I was on the side of the truth. So this asshole lied over and over and over again to the public. And I think what happens is the position that he's in and the people that he's surrounded by, I truly believe that he thinks that he's untouchable because he's been able to manipulate people for so long. Like he has people like wrapped around his finger and I don't know why. You would ne- like imagine any other job being able to have this form of manipulation over people. Like a cashier wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> but you wouldn't be at a cashier at like a Walmart and be like, yo, dude, if you talk about that time I gave you that discount, son, you're over. No longer going to be able to come to my register. No one would give a shit. You know, like it's amazing to me. Like, because what? He has the ability to choke people. Where on earth does that fucking matter? You're never at a boardroom meeting and everybody's hanging at the boardroom meeting. Got the head of research and development, the CEO, the CFO. Everybody's hanging out, tossing out ideas for this multi-million dollar company. And then Steve, the fucking janitor, comes in and everybody goes, whoa, we got to stop what we're doing right now. Steve, the janitor, can kick all of our asses. So we're going to listen to what he has to say. Would never fucking happen. Because that skill is only available, it's only handy in three places. Martial arts studios, self-defense situations, and jail. That's it. That is fucking it. That's it. It's not that big of a deal to know how to hurt people. What it is, is is a good outlet for us. It gives us the ability to learn about truth about ourselves. It gives us the ability to have an honest moment with another human being. Because you can't lie when you're fighting. The truth comes out. Think about arguments that you had with a spouse. What comes out? Lies? No. Truth. You said this and you said that because the truth comes out when you fight people. And when you're on the mat with another human being, and you slap hands and you bump knuckles. You're going to get a whole lot of truth coming at you. Are you good? Or are you not? We're going to find out. Did you train? Did you not? Is your cardio good? Is it not? You can't. You're not going to be able to lie to these people. They're going to find out as soon as you touch knuckles. And so I think that it's really fucked up when you have people who are trying to use something so sacred as a martial arts facility in order to hide their bullshit. Like, no, fuck you. And I'm glad I can stand up. Like, you know who hasn't contacted me since I started this shit? Carl. I wonder why. Because there's a lot of truth. I go live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And anybody that wants to defend him, you are more than welcome to come join me live. And we'll have a full conversation live. No prep work needed. I already did my research. That's what's up. I think we need to come up with a new scale for Carl because we've got Ashita Kims and we've got Frank Dukes that we use. Uh, well, I say we because I affectionately follow him so closely. But uh, Rob uses a scale, and you know, if somebody is a bullshit martial artist, we'll, we'll give them three Ashita Kims because you know they do this or that or that. And you can get up to five Ashita Kims or five Frank Dukes. And I think in this case, Carl he hasn't uh, he hasn't given any of the of the uh you know fake stuff the fake martial arts but he is um somebody who is an offender so maybe we can start a new scale for people who don't participate in the bullshit martial arts but maybe you're just terrible people oh. and you can give them <laughs> I like you know that. a scale of you know up to five creepy carls <laughs> you know and what you know what really sucks is you would hope like this eats me up man because you would hope that an organization like that 
would not tolerate that shit. They would not defend someone like that. They would not try to hide anything like that. They would like, it's not hard to find these. I am not a part of the organization. He doesn't work for me. I found all of that information readily available. And not only did I get sent a whole bunch of information, I had to fact check that information to make sure it was true. You know, like I just, I'm dumbfounded like by the fact that this organization is like turning a blind eye to this shit. And not only that, but people in the organization are kicking people out. Like uh, for instance, Maggie's boyfriend got kicked out and excommunicated from Henzo Gracie's association for just dating her. Not even bringing shit up, not even stirring the pot within the organization, literally just dating her. He got kicked out. Two women had to get ultimatums from one of the owners that if they are against the organization, they cannot stay at the organization, which they're not against the organization. They clearly love the, the organization. They don't like the guy. And so it's like, what the fuck are you defending? Like, you're only going to make yourself look worse. And I'm a pit bull with this shit. Like, you think I'm going to stop? You think like that letter was going to do anything? Did anybody see the video I did about that? I wiped my ass with that letter. Literally. Fuck your letter. Like that letter means nothing to me. Like I'll, you can send me more. I'd be great. When we go to court, I'll get subpoenas for all these text messages. I'll pull all this shit out and I will railroad you. It's not going to be good for you. But I mean, that's why I can talk about this shit freely because I'm not guessing with the information. I know they're factual because I have evidence. So I'm just curious why the organization would ignore facts. Now, Carl threatened, which, by the way, really fucking dumb to put blackmail in a public statement. Um, but he put like blackmail in his public statement where he said, well, if you guys continue to store, well, I guess I'm going to have to release some videos that are going to make Maggie look bad. Yeah, motherfucker, you might make her look bad. I don't give a shit. You know who else doesn't give a shit? The world. You're still going to look like an asshole. You're still going to be a liar who lied about the truth, who tried to blame other people and cover up your shit. And then you tried to make it look like these other people and his words are lying charlatans. That's the words he used. And then clearly they're telling the truth the entire time. And we have evidence of it like, oh, but what you're good at choking people. That's that. That's it. Like, oh, well, I, I'm a pillar of the community. I'm a martial arts instructor. I, <laughs> I can hurt people for money. I mean, got to make me a good guy. No, still makes you a dick. I mean, if it ran anything like a corporation in America these days, like they don't even want to be associated with anything that's even close to offensive. Mm -hmm. So if he worked for a corporation and HR heard word of this, they would send him out so quick. They put out a public statement. We're sorry. We have nothing to do with this. We've reprimanded him. He no longer works for us. But as Rob points out within the Gracie community, it's it's almost seems like it's being defended. That's because it's not actually like a bigger corporate. You know what right, I mean? Even right. the top, what seemingly is the top level sure. of Gracie, Henzo, or whatever lineage there is, it's really not that big of a corporation. Would you agree, Rob? It's not like it doesn't have like Chase Bank behind it or something crazy where they actually have protocol for this type of stuff. Here's the trick. And so when you're looking at situations like this, these organizations can do whatever they please. It's their business. I'm not sitting here telling those businesses what to do. I'm not going to tell people instructors. I'm not going to tell students what they need to do. Their own personal code of ethics is not my business. My only purpose is to put out the information and people can do with that what they please. Now, if the organization decides to make the organization's decision, and that decision makes them look bad. That has nothing to fucking do with me. You did that shit. That was your decision how you wanted to handle it. And if that shit makes you look bad, that's on you. If instructors decide they want to give ultimatums to students uh, to not like talk about facts and they will excommunicate them, that doesn't look bad on me. That's not up to me. You made that decision. 
So at the end of the day, it's really interesting how this shit snowballs. And then there'll be people pissed off at me. Like, how dare you tell the truth, you bastard? Like, no, like how, how like how dare me? <laughs> like, I just gave you the information. All of it's factual. I had a guy from his school harass me. Like, it was crazy. Like, all in within, like, the day. It was amazing. This guy thought he was being cute. All he did was help build a case. Like, he just doesn't get it. <laughs> Sometimes people are fucking dumb. So, like, I'm I'm sitting down, and I get, like, a, a, a message on a YouTube video, like a comment. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, that name looks familiar. Oh, that's the same comment that's over here on my Instagram. So, this guy's, like, going back and forth on YouTube and Instagram, leaving these, like, diatribe messages, right? Messages, messages. And I'm polite, so I answer them. I'm like, all right, well, since this is the only guy like on any of these threads defending Carl, let me engage the guy. All right. So we talk. And then I sent him a direct message. Uh, you know, and in that in those messages, I was like, look, dude, let's talk about this live. He asked for like my personal phone number. He sent me an email. Like, how formal is that? But in the email, he gave me his number. I'm like, I'm not calling you because I don't want to give you my number. Like that. You, uh, that's how technology works, right? There's an I call you can change your have number. my number. Yeah, it's like I'm not doing that game. And I even told him in one of my messages, I'm like, I'm not Carl. I'm not going to change my number to content, <laughs> right? And so finally I got him on the live and I asked him a basic question. It was very simple. I said, did you see the entire two-hour video that I posted? And he said, no, I did not watch the entire two-hour video. And I said, that's fair enough. At least you can admit that we can have an open dialogue because you're being honest. I said, did you see the police report? And he said, yes, I saw the police report. I go, cool. So now that we have this good conversation going on did you see in the police report where the police officer labeled carl's behavior as stalking and harassment he goes i don't know about that i'm not going to go down that road like wait that, that's the entire point of the police report as you can see the fact that he says these things so you're like are you ignoring it? he goes well it doesn't matter i go how fucked up can you be when stalking and harassing doesn't matter you could say hey he messed up you could say i understand we all make mistakes he even said he didn't care. All right, all of that's fair, but you can't say it didn't happen. It happened. Like he clearly admits it in the police report in a confession that he had an app where he set up multiple phone numbers to continue to harass this woman. Like you can say you don't care, that you want to continue to support him. But where is our like moral compass as martial artists where honor, integrity, and respect take a backseat to the fact that you can just hurt people? Right. Like, why do we give a fuck? Like, you know when that's going to be handy if you're a good person? maybe once or twice your entire life unless you're getting paid for it yep. if you're a dick you don't usually get into fights all the time i hope you know like I wrong know. place wrong yep. time well how many times can you be in the wrong place wrong time move yeah <laughs> like, don't live there anymore i don't know what to tell you but like it's just amazing to me how people can put people like that on a pedestal without ever taking a second thought to seeing the facts and going you know what your jujitsu is good I got to tell you, as a human being, I don't respect you. I respect you as a martial arts instructor. I think you're good at teaching technique. I can respect you here and not respect you here. There's plenty of people like that. Like, how many athletes do we go, that guy's a piece of shit. But goddamn, did you see him score? Like, did you see him dunk? Did you see that guy handle the ball? Like, that was great. You could do that. That's okay. But what you can't deny is the facts. Yeah, Kelly's a, Kelly's a piece of shit. And but, I'm not a good athlete. No, and yeah. he's <laughs> such a so... Well, similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, I, this is a random question, okay? We have the Kelly Patrick Show Facebook group. We do all sorts of dicking around. Brandon, who was it who added what the Kung Fu 
Oh, Hi- they, yeah. Kung Fu Hillbilly. What is it from West Virginia? What's his name? The West Virginia Ninja. Yeah. Oh, I know exactly what Diamond Dave. Diamond Dave. Okay, yeah. we added him to the group. He was in there interacting yeah. with us for a while. Then there was too many dick jokes, and he pub he posted, "You guys are too gay. I'm out." Yeah. And then he left. <laughs> well, I mean, there was through a very. Um, Curious time in the Kelly Patrick show, and everyone was exploring their sexuality. A lot, a lot of dick jokes, and it was too much for him. Someone even came forward and messaged me and said he pulled one of those moves where he received money for a seminar and then just never showed up. So I had, what's your experience, Rob, uh, with the with with this guy? I I have no experience with that guy. I mean, it looks like he's just a guy who did goofy stuff. He got famous off of a. Jerry Springer back in the day. Okay. And then he winds up taking that, running with the character, starting a YouTube channel, starting to to build notoriety around the fact that he could be this like hillbilly kung fu ninja guy who's just kind of like a master cannibal trailer park. Um, but you know, Hanato Laranja type dude, like yeah. a goof. Um, so I never knew that he ever did seminars or really looked into the guy because that's not usually what I cover. Sometimes sure. if I see something funny, I'll just be like, I gotta post this up because that's funny. But most of the time, I'm dealing with like real cults, real frauds, real weird shit. Yeah. Now that's funny because uh, I don't know if it was a seminar, but it was something he was supposed to show up to as as an event, and then I'll just say it. UFC fighter Harry, Harry Hunsucker told me oh, that yeah. he was there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they accepted right. money for the seminar, and then they just didn't fucking show up. And I'm sure Harry <laughs> Harry's, a, Harry's a man. He, that's messed up. Yeah, he won't mind me dropping his name on that. He, yeah. Well, of course he has me. He did nothing wrong. He yeah, just ripped yeah, off. Yeah. Like. If if you're Diamond Dave right now, you're like fuck. They got me. <laughs> there, you know, there's an Ashita Kim Black Dragon Fighting Society uh, seminar that's happening in Richmond soon. Hmm. Hundred dollars. I have seriously that's considered going to this, spending the hundred dollars just so I can go infiltrate this shit, and then like just not play along. Rob, do you think that'll be a bullshit seminar? Um, Ashita Kim, absolutely. But there's a couple things that you need to know when you're going into stuff like that. Like people always ask me all the time, like, why don't you just go into the gyms and like fight them? Right. Because first of all, Anderson Silva lost a fight. That doesn't mean shit, right? right? You can tell me he can't still murder you with his fucking hands because he lost a fight. Right. Fighting them doesn't really mean much. The technique, the individual techniques, they mean something. Like you should be doing it as a science experiment, not as a dick waving contest. Like if we really wanted to solve these problems, we would start looking at them analytically. So if you go into somebody's gym, a couple things to remember. First of all, at any time they can hit you for trespassing. Anytime. Well, anytime they will. They're just like, all right, you're trespassing. It's time for you to leave. That's not hard for them to do. Second, they don't even have to let you in the building to begin with. Right. They don't. Right. If it's their property, they can be like, no, you're not allowed in. And then they can call the police and say, yo, this guy's trespassing on my property. I'd like you to remove him. Yes. Yeah, so second. Just because you filmed doesn't mean you can publish the film. You have to remember that you have to have waivers signed in people's personal businesses when you're filming them. If you don't have their permission, you might put out a video. You might lose a lawsuit real quick because you decided that you're going to get them. Well, congratulations. You got them. But who won in the long run when they get that money? Gotcha. You know, second, when you announce that you're going to be going to someone's seminar like that with the intent of something nefarious and someone gets hurt, even if it's accidentally hurt, you just told on yourself for breaking the law. True. Now it's a premeditated crime. Right. Congratulations. Now you're fucked again. If someone gets hurt, even with a waiver and you didn't announce it, you could still be in legal trouble. Like there's so many things that go into going into someone's school and infiltrating it. It's really difficult to do it legally. 
Um, so I think people really forget about that kind of shit. And then second of all, how would you prove it? Like the best way to do that kind of shit, which we actually worked on on our documentary, which we did, we were able to film. Um, I'll say this as vaguely as possible. We filmed with the top frauds in the industry, hands yes. down. Yes. Um, I'm not going to name names because we still have extra filming to do. But we were able to film with the top frauds in the industry. And one of the ways we were able to do that was all sugar. They all loved us to death. They thought we were the greatest thing ever because we didn't come at them all sideways. We came at them respectfully. We asked basic questions. We didn't give our personal opinion. I don't need to give my personal opinion. It's not for me to do that. If I'm documenting something, I'm not injecting my personal bullshit. Saying, all right, let's talk. All right. Well, what do you think about this? Okay, that's interesting. In the back of my mind, I could be going, that's such bullshit. But imagine talking to anyone on the planet and saying that to their face. You know where that conversation is going to stop? Right there. Right there. Yep. You want a real conversation with these people? Talk to them like they're normal. Let them hang themselves on their own rope because they do. And they will talk. And they will say the dumbest shit. We had a guy say that there's a place you can hit a man where you will kill them three days later. And he was not joking. We had a guy who believes that he can knock people out with sound waves. We had a guy who believes he could dodge bullets. Um, and if you really wanted to get a sheet of Kemp, I already know how to do it. And I already know how I personally would want to do it, hypothetically, if I ever did do that on film, hypothetically, is if you look at his website, there's something called the $10,000 challenge. Have you ever looked at a sheet of Kemp's website? Uh, just real preliminarily. Just You're going to love the fuck out of this and anybody reading this or watching this, right? <laughs> So if you look at Ashita Kim's website, he has a thing called the $10,000 challenge. Now, there are four points on that challenge. There are stipulations, right? One of them, you ha- he has to get paid no matter when, lose, or draw. So no matter what, he's going to get paid $10,000, right? As he put it, he doesn't fight for free. And in reality, he doesn't fight ever or at all. Now, when it comes down to it, he also said that you have to have, I do believe off the top of my head, $25,000 in an escrow account to prove that you can actually pay him the ten. I don't know why you would need more than 10. That's really fucking dumb. Uh, But that's one of the stipulations. You have to be in the ring when the bell rings. If you are not in the ring when the bell rings, when it's time to fight, you automatically forfeit the match and he gets paid. Um, Here's his lack of understanding of how fighting works legally. Um, He also needs to get paid for half the ticket sales and I think all of the door sales or something like that. Um, so that means now it's a professional fight. So now it has to be sanctioned. Um, so I don't think he quite understands that if he's not a professional fighter, that he probably won't be able to do a sanctioned fight because he's not a professional fighter or a sanctioned professional fight. Um, so he's not a pro fighter. So how the fuck would you be able to do that unless you did an illegal fight? Um, so it's like really convoluted how he put all of these things together. But if you wanted to fight Ashita Kim or if anybody wanted to go on his website, all of his rules are listed there and you're more than welcome to challenge him. It's amazing. Are you familiar with the page on Facebook called Bullshit Martial Arts? Uh, there is a page called Bullshit Martial Arts, yeah. I've, I've been following them for a while now. They've got similar content. But have you seen the video uh, where the Black Dragon Fighting Society actually shows up to the gym? Uh, I can't think of the guy's name who actually runs yeah. that page. I posted, I posted that. Was yeah, that you like, posted that? That yeah, is like, insane. I saw that. Did you, you see know, that? that yeah. guy, even funnier is the guy that they went to go challenge, because I do believe it was a basketball court or yep, yep. some kind of some, something similar that had mats laid out mm-hmm. for that guy's class. And I guess he invited them. He was like, if you want to show up, you're more than welcome to do so. And so he's like standing there or no, did he go to their facility or the other way around? I, I don't they, remember. They came to him. 
Okay. So he winds up like basically saying, well, let's go and walks over to the mat. And then they're like all back down. It's like, you literally came over there to dojo storm him and challenge him. And you did it in force. And there's like four or five of you. And there's one of him and all of you outweigh him by what looks like at least 50 pounds. And this skinny little dude walks over to the mat and goes, let's do it. Now it's funny because like, what they said, I guess the other guy, I guess, has a reputation for also being something very similar in their context, their world. It's all very make-believe. Um, but they always like to be like this gang. Like Count Dante created the Black Dragon Fighting Society. And since Count Dante started it, it has to be like OG, legit, real. Excuse me. And then it just kind of became like this thing where it seems like these trailer trash dudes. And obviously, I'm not judging everybody, but most of what I've seen online speaks for itself. But like these dudes just like all belong to this like LARPing type activities where, you know, Frank Dukes is like one of the figureheads and like the Kumite, like bitch, there was no Kumite. If, if, the, if there was a Kumite based off of Frank Dukes statistics on a single elimination tournament, I do believe off the top of my head that Frank Dukes at one time stated that he had 60 knockouts in a single tournament. Now, that's not every one of his fights, but let's do the math on that. So if you had like, let's say 60 knockouts in one tournament, right? which didn't fucking happen. But if you did have that on a single elimination tournament, how many people were at the secret fighting oh, tournament? Thousands. It couldn't have been a secret, you know? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, do the math. Like, it's 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 like absolutely insane. And then like, ah, what a great movie, those though. kind of people I feel bad for because what happens is you've created this like cult. And that's exactly what it is. It's a cult where you can just keep kind of lying to each other and it makes each other feel good. And all it really does is benefit the hierarchy. Like it only benefits the people at the top because the people at the bottom aren't getting a legitimate education in the martial arts. And there are plenty of martial arts that I think are great for you, but not might not be great for self-defense. Like, for instance, if you want to do a keto, that's fucking awesome. Get up, get off the couch, go move around, do a keto. Do I think a keto is a legitimate self-defense art? No, I don't. I think it's 90% break falls and rolling and taking and taking shots and following directions and respect and history. And it's 10% wrist locks, right? And so those wrist locks guys in jujitsu do now. Like it's hard to pull off a standing wrist lock, but you can at least use that to set up something else. But if you get somebody in like side control and you can isolate that arm, you can start fucking that wrist up if you need to. You know, I've done it before. I'm an asshole. Like I've been like in positions where I was like, there was a big fucking thick ass country strong white belt. And I'm trying so hard to get a basic arm bar, but he's so much stronger. I can't get it. I was like, fuck this wrist locked him. Like, sorry. Like I I'm not going to sit here and gas out all day fucking around with this arm. All right. Like I'm it's, just going to risk. It. It's funny how a wrist lock is looked at as like a shunned technique. We have a, we have a friend of ours who likes to wrist lock everybody and he's a rather large individual. Oh so yeah. If he, if he wants to wrist lock you, you're fucked. Oh you're, yeah. You're wrist <laughs> And so we tease him a lot about wrist locks being illegitimate techniques. Um, we but really at the same time, time, to be fair, I've wrist locked plenty of white belts. You're a dick. <laughs> to be honest, just to be honest. Now, I don't do it to a small, undersized female. You know, I there's lines. If it, if it's, and it's it's not in a uh, a way that I'm going to hurt them. So it's you don't, slow. So it's what controlled. you're saying is, is when you do it to kids, you don't slap it on. Right I've right. wrist locked my son. <laughs> my son is 13. I've wrist locked him. Sure. Yeah. Of course. So I mean, I, I, as long as you're not actually going to hurt him, you're going to honor the tap. It's slow. Everyone's <laughs> thought about wrist locking that little Jimmy in class who's a dickhole. 
All right, well, let's slap bump. Oh, oh, I got you. I'm just fucking around. I would never. But when it comes down to, you know, to that kind of stuff, there's there's a lot of crossover in different martial arts. It's beneficial, but certain ones just literally are not real self-defense arts, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying each art has its weaknesses and has its strengths. Um, it's it's not until you just start literally making shit up that I really have problems. You mean you know, like, like the like, hands aren't meant to hold things very well? Oh my God! What a <laughs> what's that? Detroit uh, Dale Brown. Oh, okay, okay, that's right. Yes. Oh my God! Dale Brown just loves Dale Brown's farts. He just loves the smell of his own farts. Um, <laughs> it's, it's incredible to me how you could talk about a dead man, one of the most honorated, uh, one of the most decorated, honor, honored uh, snipers in military history, Chris Kyle. And you look at that guy and you say, hey, well, if Chris Kyle did my training as a security guard, he'd still be alive. Like, fuck you. Fuck you very much. What a slap in the face to that man's wife. I can't believe you know? he said that. I've never heard him say that. That's insane. Yeah, it was on um, Carl, Colin Noir's podcast when he had him on. So if you get a chance, definitely check that out. But he literally said that if Chris Kyle had taken Dale Brown's courses, that he'd still be alive today. No, the fuck he wouldn't. Wow. Right. That's not how that works. You'd be like, I'd never have that man behind me. Like, okay. Yeah. You think highly of yourself, motherfucker. Like that dude kills me. And then what's even crazier is he's now the international face of incompetence. <laughs> like I was going through like Instagram and you know how their algorithms recently changed. Yeah. So I'm like switching through and it's given me all kinds of pages that I don't subscribe to and i would never look at to begin with and one was a walking group it was a page for people who like power walking and they used dale brown as the example of how not to power walk (laughs) (laughs) they just like memed his face on someone doing it wrong and they were like don't do it like that guy i was like damn that's brutal i didn't know you could fuck walking up but apparently you (laughs) can't Yeah, I've been trying to get Dale on the show. I've messaged him a couple of times, and the only response I got was on their YouTube channel, and he says, shoot me an email, which I tried. I had to look up the email address, and I did shoot an email over, but I haven't gotten a response yet. He's all about the dough, man. He's uh, all about the money and the clout. Well, I was hoping that I could bait him into something uh, just because, just I mean, you know, like you said, with Sugar, I just I want to be respectful to him. I want to hear – I want to let him – you know, explain himself because I don't think everything he shows is a hundred percent bullshit. I mean, look, if a guy's pointing a gun at you, you're probably fucking shot, right? I mean, you're probably is that what shot. he says though? Um, well, well then, he then, says if increase, he does, unless he says that he says increase your chances of survivability. Okay, but I'm saying unless the first thing you acknowledge when someone has a gun pointed at you is you are pretty fucked. You're probably shot. Yeah, 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 yeah right. You got to have some sense of realism, especially when it comes to guns. Yeah. Yeah, no, he uh, he doesn't really have a whole lot of realism when it comes to that stuff, or knives either. Um, so he would need to be paid to come on. I was in, in I was in touch with Caitlyn Jenner and her agent recently. Thought I was going to get a Caitlyn Jenner interview. No fucking way. I know this is random, non martial arts related. It would have cost me minimum ten thousand dollars. Jesus, <laughs> like so, some people do that. But we can get a cameo from Rampage for like fifty bucks. Yeah, we paid for a little bit of money for Rampage Jackson to give us a cameo. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I look at people like Dale Brown and you have like as an instructor, he's done so many things that are egregious that are right in people's faces that they don't really pay attention to. They look at his day to day videos, but they don't really pay attention to them. And it's always amazing to me. Um, Like, for instance, there was a gentleman named Kenji. Kenji is a jujitsu guy and he went out there to infiltrate that studio. 
And then he was able to film, which is very rare. He actually had to lie in order to film. And he doesn't deny doing that because they weren't going to let him film in the studio anyway. So when he goes in there, um, Dale goes to do a gun disarm. He pulls the gun back and he shoots Dale like six times with the, <laughs> the fake gun, right? And so then later on, I guess Dale Brown got pissed off about this. And then he asked if Kenji would be willing to help demonstrate a technique. Kenji willingly gives him an arm. And anybody who's ever done martial arts ever knows what it looks like when you have a non-resisting opponent who's allowing you to demonstrate. And so he gives his arm up to Dale Brown and Dale Brown does a, a, a wrist lock. Kenji's not resisting whatsoever. And he yanks it and tries to purposely hurt him. How do we know that he purposely tried to hurt him during this time when Kenji was not resisting? Well, it's pretty simple. It's because whenever Kenji released his video about him actually getting Dale Brown, Dale Brown released a video, which is still up, by the way, where he's talking about dragging Kenji around like a little bitch. Well, guess what? Kenji gave you the arm. He let you do it to him. And what kind of instructor worth his weight purposely hurts a willing student? How, what kind of piece of shit are you if I was like, all right, man, let me go ahead and get this arm bar so I can kind of work on this and show the students, right? So I have this arm bar, fucking break, all right? As you can clearly <laughs> see, he's a little bitch, right? No, he gave you the arm. Like, you were just a dick. And so, like, he did that shit. Another thing, after I released my video on YouTube about Dale Brown, right, I, I bullet point by bullet point say the things and issues that I have with him up to that point. My stepfather was developing Alzheimer's and it was a very tough time for me during that time, but I have to continue to do my job and still call up these frauds. I don't get a choice. We all work when we don't want to. Sure. And so I did that video. And then after that, uh, Dale Brown goes on my, that particular YouTube and he leaves like a long message. I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be willing. He goes, why don't you come out to Detroit? First of all, I'm never going to your facility. I already talked about why, right? All the legal issues, all those problems that could arise. I would never do that. I would definitely still meet at a neutral facility. I would definitely meet in a neutral facility. I'm still down to do that. But I let him know like, hey, I can't do this right now. I, I would like to set this up for a further date. Get back with me around this time. My stepfather has Alzheimer's and we're having to deal with that. So he knows my situation. Around the that time, my stepfather gets put in hospice. So it's around his like death time. And so it's getting real bad. And it's like, I'm helping take care of my mom. My mom's been a caretaker for him, been a caretaker for my grandmother. That's all she's ever done her entire life is take care of people, just a sweet woman. So I wanted to be there for her. So around that time, rather than Dale reaching out to me and saying, hey man, can we, is it time or do we set up another time? And being respectful at least of that. He goes on his stories on his Instagram page and he starts talking about, oh, the time and date is here. Let's see if McDojo Life does this. So I let him know, like, it's not the time. And then he continues down that entire day on his stories, just digging in. And I'm like, this fucking dick. Like, he understands that my stepfather, a good man, is dying. And I'm having to take care of my mom and having to take care of the funeral arrangements. And he's doing this shit knowing goddamn well what he's doing. And so I lost absolutely any nerve or respect for that man. Then after that, he talks about Chris Kyle and like Chris Kyle would be alive if he took Dale Brown's training. And then I'm sponsored by a Navy SEAL run company. Killcliffe is run by fucking Navy SEALs. It was founded by Navy SEALs. So whenever I have questions about shit related to the military, I just talk to my sponsors, right? So you have Navy SEALs calling your, your stuff bullshit. Special forces operators, other than SEALs, also calling your stuff bullshit. Professional fighters calling your stuff bullshit. Tactical firearms instructors calling your stuff bullshit. All of these people, martial arts instructors who are professionals at their job, calling your stuff bullshit. And you have access to all of those people who all say, hey, 
there's a better way. A good instructor would take a look and go, you know what? I am willing to open up my school, let these people come in. When Tim Kennedy calls my stuff bullshit, why don't I let him come in, teach a seminar, and then I could learn, and then I could make my students better. But Dale Brown doesn't give a fuck about his students. It's the truth. He gives a fuck about fame and money, and he's happy to eat both of those things up. He's happy that he's in the limelight. He doesn't give a fuck what anybody thinks because he's raking in that paycheck. As a matter of fact, people forget that Vice did a documentary about him back in the day. And I think maybe it was about 20 years ago, maybe 10, 15, something like that. But when that. Vice did a documentary about him, he talks about specifically money being the thing that was important to him. Yeah, we're going to help people out and we're going to make a lot of money doing it. Like, get the fuck out of here. What kind of person who's doing the world a service? By the way, this facility isn't in Detroit. It's in Ferndale. It's not in Detroit. Why? Like his original facility was in Detroit, but guess what? If you look back and you actually look up that information, looks like there might be some back taxes owed on that particular building that's still labeled Detroit Urban Survival. So, like at the end of the day, when when he talks about being this like savior of Detroit, no, the fuck you're not. Like just because you haven't had anybody die on the job, you know how many dildo salesmen haven't died on the job either? That's not a very good track record. All right, his people have been shot. His people have been stabbed. And so, like, what happened to the gun disarm shit when your boy got shot? What happened to the knife disarm shit when your boy got stabbed? And there's just not one or two incidents either. And so it's always blows my mind when he hides under this veil of bullshit. I just it just irritates me to no end, especially when he understood the situation that I was in when we were about to make content together and he decided to do that. And I already know what's going to happen eventually. Tom DeBlass offered him fifty thousand dollars to spar with one of his female students. No shit. Crickets. Crickets, crickets, right? Instead, he picked an MMA fighter who was 145 pounds, 135 pounds to go visit his school. And when he visited his school, it was supposed to be just him and a cameraman. He showed up with like an entourage, right? And so like, okay, well, the other guy's not bringing an entourage because he's trying to be respectful, right? And then it's like, at the end of the day, Dale loves manipulating people. And I, I think, I hope that he's enjoying the money and the fame. That's all absolutely great. But he knows he's a piece of shit. I <laughs> uh, see. I didn't know any of this. I didn't know about story. the twenty years ago thing. I didn't know yeah. he was on that. Yeah, go look it up. Vice did a documentary about him way back in the day. His uh, security company, he called them the Vipers. Um, he's changed the name of the company from time to time. Like, if you really just look into it, like, there's a lot of stuff that's happened over the years. But Dale loves money. Hey, make that money, brother. Good job. Money it up. <laughs> wow. Buy them cars. Buy them cars. You can't, you apparently you can't buy ethics, but damn sure could buy them cars, man. Do it. Who needs ethics when you get a Lambo? Absolutely. Just enjoy it. Enjoy it. And I'm sure he didn't give a fuck what I think. He didn't care what anybody thinks, but the facts is the facts. Like all the things I just told you were absolutely hundred percent true. Go back, look at the vice documentary. And off the top of my head, I said 20 years ago, I don't know exactly when it was done. It was done quite a long time ago, but look at it. It's just absolutely sad to see like, I think they charge like $15 or $10 for the initial phone call of calling them out. And then it's a dollar per minute starting from the time the phone call is. And it's like, if you look at a lot of his videos and footage, it's like usually in like nice gated communities. Like what happens when you're living like in the fantasy world that he lives in. And I'm not saying that his people weren't necessarily good. Like, I think that he has done a good job of like at least hiring people that know a little bit of what they're doing, but like at the end of the day, what he's putting out online, the stuff that I called out, I still stand behind. The video that I posted, and then people always give me like credit for this, and I fucking hate it. Um, but they go, You made him famous. 
Yeah, I made him internationally famous for being a fucking moron. But the video that I shared was originally of his stuff was his daughter. And he puts her in her, his videos all the time now. So he obviously doesn't give a fuck about that now. He cared then, apparently. Where did where did your ethics go? Did they disappear? Uh, but he got upset that I posted his daughter up. It's like, bitch, you posted your daughter up. All I did was reshare it. And like he has a, a, one of his instructors or one of the people there dressed up in his garb, pointing a firearm at him. I'm using the rubber one, <laughs> but <laughs> pointing the firearm at the daughter. And when he points the firearm at the daughter, the daughter does the gun disarm where she just dodges out of the way, grabs the gun, does the disarm and points it back. Like, all right. So you're saying that if you just move your head out of the way, the person won't shoot you. You know, that one of the most natural and comfortable ways to carry absolutely anything. I learned this in UPS, by the way, when I worked at UPS for a very short time is your power zone. You ever <laughs> learn about that? Your power zone right, right here. Right. So what happens whenever people start defending firearms? They pull the gun right to their power zone naturally. You can't help it. If you watch absolutely anybody doing gun disarm stuff, if you watch people like actually doing gun retention drills, when they start fighting on the ground for a gun, it almost always winds up here because this is a very powerful spot. It's very natural for you. So you start reaching for that gun. The natural thing for a lot of people to do is pull that gun back to something that's secure because I know I have this and you don't. So if I have this, you don't, I'm alive. If you have this and I don't, I'm dead. So people will fight tooth and nail for that firearm. Something else is not discussed is muzzle flash. Something else is not discussed is whenever you have like the, uh, the cylinder, there's typically a gap between the cylinder on revolvers and the actual gun. Um, and so the cylinder gap will create like a, a kind of a blowback. So there's plenty of videos out there where if you take a hot dog and put it beside a revolver, and pull the trigger, it'll like blow that hot dog in half. Well, feel free if you ever feel so inclined to find out if that's true or not. But when you have a revolver, just for fun, for giggles, put your finger by that cylinder gap when you pull the trigger and see what happens to your fucking finger. It's not gonna be pretty, right? And so when you're talking about putting your hands all over some of these most dangerous fucking areas, you're just put, you're setting yourself up for failure. Like whatever happened to the real rules of engagement when it comes to a firearm. Like for instance, why are you still alive? These are important topics that are not discussed by Dale for some reason. Like there's a reason you're still alive. And if you start fucking around with those reasons for being alive, that's a good way to wind up dead. And so I just kind of blows my mind. Some of the nonsense that he puts out there, you know, he has a guy that I actually really like. One of the guys who actually used to work for him. We had long conversations about Dale and stuff like that. Um, that guy knows his shit. He really does, right? Do I think Dale knows his shit? Absolutely fucking not. I think he's a great manipulator. But he's had people who were with him who know what they're doing. So at least he knows how to hire people, right? True. Um, good stuff, Rob. I really appreciate you joining us for the episode today. Before we start wrapping things up, of course, you have the McDojo Life Instagram page. Um, what type of plugs can you can you mention uh, for our listeners? Oh man, I, I, like right now we're just working on trying to grow our YouTube. Like YouTube for us was like a, a slow grind because we got hit with so many strikes right at the beginning because we weren't understanding how to like work the fair use act. Um, and so we got like, hit with three strikes. So I was like, I'm not posting anything until these strikes go away. Took forever for all of them to go away. Then I reformatted. So we're at about seventy two thousand followers on our YouTube now, but. The reason I want to push people to our YouTube is because we actually do deep dives and exposés on these cults. I have a lot of people on our Instagram page who say things like, oh, they're just doing it to get on the page. They're not real. Like, no, that they're, they believe mm. it. <laughs> like, I, I've done the research. I've done the long form stories about these people. They believe it, unfortunately. Um, so I definitely highly suggest 
check that out so you can actually learn about these cults and learn that they are real. And hopefully once you understand that they're real, you can start trying to spread positive information, start warning people about certain things. Like if, if you hear maybe an organization come up, oh man, you're going to that organization, check out this video before you go, you know, that kind of thing. Awesome, man. Well, this has been one of my favorite interviews that I've done on the show so far, just because I'm such a big fan of you and your work. I really appreciate you taking your time out to do your interview with us and, and uh, spending over an hour with us uh, talking about Yeah, stuff. I'm sorry if I was long-winded in no, some of that. No, we're having stuff. you on. We want you to talk. I, I love it. This <laughs> yeah. is all uh, you know, fascinating stuff. And yeah, I learned it, a lot. I didn't know exactly what direction it was going to head in, but I mean, even the Dale Brown stuff, you know, that's, I didn't. Plenty there for us to learn about it. I'm trying to reel yeah. Dale in. I'm going to see if I can't. <laughs> you are obsessed on. with Dale Brown. I, I, huh? Right now, I am. Until I move <laughs> on, he is my big fish. So <laughs> he always kills me with that. Like I do this for the streets. Like I don't do this. <laughs> like if you could do it for the streets, you could do it for a sport. I mean, the only difference is like what you're not allowed to eye gouge or pull hair or bite. You know, the other guys. Well, those are all of his don't techniques. Need to train to do that. <laughs> you don't need a lesson on how to bite someone. You don't need a lesson on how to grab someone's eyeball. You don't need a lesson on how to pull hair. All that stuff just comes before you go to a martial arts studio. Yeah. Then you learn technique and how to actually do those things and do them well. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite is Bass Rudin. What did he say? He, the lady was like, well, if you did that to me, I would, I would just poke you in the eyes. And he goes, okay, okay, let's I'll try it. Let's try it. Let's go ahead and try it. And she's like, well, oh, I'm not going to. No, no, no. Go ahead. Do it to me. Poke me in the eyes. She's like, I don't want to fuck with that. No, thanks. I got the meat yeah. balls at the Karate Combat. I'm going to be back there in August again with their next show. Awesome. And uh, we like had like a probably good 20-minute conversation about like McDojo's and stuff. And it was just like the best shit ever. Like I don't fanboy over too many people. But I, like I've, said, I've met almost everybody in the industry. But I don't fanboy over too many people. I was like, oh, it's boss. <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, we were talking about McDojo's and shit. It was just dope. And That's I got awesome. him to sign some stuff for me and got a little selfie. You know, that was cool. I was, Boz is the man. He's the man. He's been there, done that, you know, and he's, he's had those experiences and yep. hopefully learning from those experiences and teaching people. You know, he did, Boz called Dale Brown a fucking fraud too. So, <laughs> did he? Uh, he did on Ariel Hawani's show the last time he was on it. That's awesome. How did Ariel ask him about it? Like, hey, do you think Dale Brown is legitimate type thing? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely how that went down. Because he had Dale Brown on the show. Okay. okay. <laughs> like, awesome. Ariel had him on the show and he was like, what do you think about this guy? And he was like, oh, the guy that people make fun of? Yeah, he's not good. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to have Brandon McGatherin on here as well, which I've actually. Oh yeah, he has that one with. video that he recorded. I know BMAC. Do you yeah. guys know BMAC? Yeah, yeah. I've been to Decatur a couple of times and and met Brandon a couple of times. He's a great guy. Um, love him to death. Love his content. I think he's an amazing coach. He's a tenth planet black belt out of Decatur, and um, just in case our listeners don't know the background, but. Um, Brandon posted a video in response to one of Dale's videos where they were poking eyes as a defense to a rear naked choke. So Brandon goes on and says, okay, and does a very boss type of thing where he says, here, go ahead and choke. You know, I'm, I'm good. Choke <laughs> Let's me, try it choke out. Choke me as hard as you want to, <laughs> it, it, you know, and I'm going to try to poke your eyes out. And it just, obviously, Brandon tucks his head off to the side where his eyes aren't within reach. And then he squints his eyes very hard. And then he just continues to choke the life out of the guy who's trying to poke him in the eyes. So, um, Brandon is. And that was him being very, nice. Cause if someone yes. actually tries to fuck with your eyes, 
Oh, yeah. You, you're more likely yeah. to then try to hurt them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so I'd love to have Brandon on to hear his yeah. response uh, to the stuff that Dale's putting out because they have gone back and forth directly to each other. I'd love to get them on here both at the same time for like a Jerry Springer episode. Yeah, that, uh, that kind of thing is always hilarious to me because like whenever you do like a rear naked choke, right, you kind of have two triangles. Like mm-hmm. you have the triangle where the person's neck is, but you have this other triangle off to the side where you can literally rest your eyeballs into like you can tuck your face right there while you choke the person it's very difficult to get to the eyes if they're doing it correctly now if i'm up here with my head up here not doing a rear naked choke correctly not paying attention to the fact that they could be trying to headbutt me i need to tuck all that like yeah maybe you can poke them in the eye but there was a case study that was already done in the ufc about this two ufc fighters they were women uh not too long ago one was caught dead to rights in a rear naked choke the chick was in uh back mount Got the hooks in. She's sinking in the rear naked choke. The other chick, out of instinct, tries starts trying to poke her in the eye. You know what the result was? That chick got choked still. Like, sorry. Like, it doesn't work that way. You're going to go to sleep. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you bite me, you're likely to lose teeth. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's yes, it'll hurt, but it's only going to piss me off more. And if I'm in well, an like, advantageous position and you're biting me. Horrible like, idea. So horrible advice to tell someone to do that. So you're reaching back towards someone's face and you can't see where their face quite is, right? And you think I'm not going to bite that fucking finger off? You were wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, man. All right. Well, you're going to cut that shit out now, aren't you? And you're going to go to sleep. You're going to wake up. They're going to call you Nine Finger Steve. You ain't got that one. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to hang out with it on the weekends. We're going to be buddies now. That's my finger. Use it to stir your drinks with. <laughs> well, I love it, Rob. Thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Um, hopefully, we get to chat with you again sometime soon. Yeah. And uh, thank you very much. Have a good one, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, brother. We'll see you. I want to thank everyone for tuning into the Kelly Patrick show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon.